Uh, hi. So, welcome to Legendary Pants Book Club. This is episode four. Uh, I'm Matthew. And I'm Mariah. And uh, it was pointed out to us by a good friend of ours, uh, by the name of Verb, that uh, nobody knows who the hell we are. Yeah, so we thought that we would give start out this podcast with a little bit more information on us and why the hell we're doing this. Yeah. And I gave a little bit of information in my first blog post about the podcast, but um, you know maybe we should just maybe we should just give a little bit more here, okay. uh, and uh, hopefully people listening, you know, or the person listening will uh, will appreciate that. Sure. So uh, yeah, so I'm Matthew Stanford uh, on Legendary Pants. I go by Stanford. Uh, this is my wife Mariah, and uh, we've been married for a couple years now, uh, and we have a son who is hopefully going to sleep. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we'll see what happens. He was, I just checked. He was singing to himself, so he should uh, be okay, good, good any minute. Okay, good. His name is Liam. You will probably hear him mentioned throughout. Um, why did we start this? Well, what we found started happening is Matthew and I both have jobs where we are able to listen to books in a large quantity. I actually, I'm a physical therapist. I do home physical therapy. So I'm in my car a lot, and the radio started getting boring, and I listened to a lot of podcasts, and we discovered audiobooks. And then at some point, we discovered we were reading the same audiobooks together and kind of talking about them and really, I don't know, kind of enjoying that process of listening to the books and then discussing them. And the book we're actually going to talk about today, uh, Lock-In, is actually the reason why we decided to try doing this podcast, because we felt we had a lot that we could say about this book. Yeah, yeah. Well, after we both read Lock-In, we, uh, we found that we were having pretty interesting conversations, uh, at least in, in our opinion. And uh, I believe it was you who said, uh, we should record this. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, we did. And I guess to make clear, it's a book club, but we are, we listen to the book. So in, you know, not sponsored by Audible, but we are, we download off of Audible. Uh, That's where we're finding our books to listen to. So it may kind of change some of the ways, I mean, it's probably obvious, you know, we've talked about who's reading the books and who, what we like about the readers, which is obviously something we wouldn't talk about if we were reading a hard book. Right. And I don't expect that all of our books will be audiobooks. Mine will be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time. (laughs) uh, Next week's book I I read with my eyes. So that might be interesting to see how that's different. So, but for the most part, they will be listened to. Um, But our thought was... If people end up liking it, that we'd tell you the week before what book we're going to read slash listen to and that you would do the same and read along. Um, but I guess that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Yes, and, uh, and, and it was, again, pointed out to us by our friend Verb that some people may show up and not have read the book. Um, for those people, uh, you know, we'll do our best, but uh, I will say uh, we are operating under the assumption that our listeners have read the book. So, we will spoil it, we will ruin it, we're going to talk about the end, we're going to talk about the beginnings, we're going to talk about everything about the book. Right. So, you know, if that's your thing, and you just want to get a feel for the book, hey, go for it. But just a warning that we will probably uh, have a lot of spoilers. Now, this book, Lock-In, that we're going to talk about by John Scalzi, also helps to bridge another subject of the About Us. And the reason why this book appealed to us is because... 
you are actually in a wheelchair. Yes, I am. So Matthew is uh, has has quadriplegia. Um, tetraplegia. Tetraplegia, the, technically. Yeah. Yes. I know you, you. No one knows what that is. I know so. you physical therapists are really. So you're not. You're not quite a Christopher Reeve, but um, no, not you're quite. also not a murder ball. So you're in between. <laughs> yes, I am in between Christopher Reeves and murder ball. Uh, yeah. Those are the those are the measures by which we are measured, and I am between them. Yes. So. So. And as we talk about the book, you will see why it makes sense that we like this and why it makes sense to bring it up that Matthew is disabled. Okay. I'm disabled. I'm I'm disabled. Um, Let's start with our beer. Okay. So one of the things we like to do, and again, I know it's episode four and we're we're doing all the things we should probably do in episode one, but, um, and, and this again was also your idea, we like to enjoy a beer while we discuss our books. So every week we'll bring you a new beer, and we'll give the description and give a t- tiny little review. And, and I was thinking about our feedback. Our feedback uh, from episode three? That this podcast is uber boring. And if you really think about it, we're two adults sitting in a small room talking about a book we read the week before and drinking a beer on a Friday night. Like, Yeah, that's uber boring. That's like, really boring. That's really lame. It's super lame. Friday nights, too. You yeah. had to say that out loud. It's a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, you'll yeah. be getting to enjoy this enjoy this Wednesday, but... We yeah. record on Fridays, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty obvious that uh, we have nothing better to do on a Friday night. Yeah, so... Awesome. So, the beer. <laughs> the I, picked, beer. <laughs> I picked this beer because it doesn't have any significance to the book. I just picked it because I thought you would like it. No, you said you picked it because you wanted to come home. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of beer out there, but I, but I, I okay. picked something I thought you would like. You did, and I do. I really like it. This the beer that he picked for us today is called um, Saison 1858. I love a saison, and I love that word. It's fun to say saison. Um, it's a Belgian farmhouse ale. It's unfiltered. Um, by is this who it's by? I guess the Brasiere du Boco. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff on the bottle. There's, to read. That's a cue, I think. I yeah. think that, yeah. Why don't you just read, the, read the, uh, the back? Yeah, read the back. Let's see what's going on here. Okay. <clears throat> and I do love a Belgian ale. Ugh. Authentic Belgian Saison ale. Hazy golden color, aromatic herbal hop aroma with bold, crisp flavor, balanced by refreshing acidity. Pour half, swirl bottle to suspend the yeast, and pour the rest. Which sounds disgusting when you think about but it. it. It's, it's true. Really good. It's really and good. And I and that's what I well, <laughs> that's what I love about the Belgian ales is that when, crisp flavor. Oh, when they're chewy with the yeast. No, that's gross. Yeah, but try not to think about that too much. Um, so this is this is really good. It's pretty cloudy too. It's good. It's a it's a it's a saison, which is kind of like a Belgian blonde. Um, well, it definitely has. Um, it's a little more bitter than the blonde. Yeah, it's a little more bitter than, than that. Um, but more hoppy. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what was it? Brasier de Boc? Saison 1858. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a nice, nice, calm flavor. Well, and if you remember when I first got you into drinking snobby beers... You that I remember that was one of the things that was like your favorite beer was the saison. That was that was later, that was at that beer fest mm-hmm. that we went to. We found first had the saison mm-hmm. and it was really good. You really liked it. I did. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this week we're doing Lock In, John Scalzi. I have a publisher summary. Would you like to read that too, or I'd do you want to. me to read it? 
Are you you want to do it? You're feeling left out, aren't you? No, I'm not. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Lock in. John Scalzi. Uh, this, uh, this, this publisher summary comes from Audible. Not too long from today, a new, highly contagious virus makes its way across the globe. Most who get sick experience nothing worse than flu, fever, and headaches. But for the unlucky 1% and nearly 5 million souls in the United States alone, the disease causes lock-in. Victims fully awake and aware, but unable to move or respond to stimulus. The disease affects young, old, rich, poor, people of every color and creed. The world cha- changes to meet the challenge. A quarter of a century later, in a world shaped by what's known as Hayden Syndrome... Rookie FBI agent Chris Shane is paired with veteran agent Leslie Van. The two of them are assigned uh, are assigned what appears to be a Hayden-related murder at the Watergate Hotel with a suspect who is an, an integrator, someone who can let the locked-in borrow, borrow their bodies for a time. I'm terrible at this. Yeah, that's why I do it. Yeah, I'm really bad. Mm-hmm. If the integrator was carrying a Hayden client, then naming the suspect for murder becomes that much more complicated. But complicated doesn't begin to describe it. As Shane and Van begin to unravel the threads of the murder, it becomes clear that the real mystery and the real crime is bigger than anyone could have imagined. And I'd also like to introduce Leo um, as our cat. Yeah, you'll occasionally hear him and his tiny little meow. So, yeah, he was meowing a couple times, and I, yeah. I think he feels left out. He'd like some credit. I think he needs to man up okay uh so lock in Mm -hmm. uh the book itself um as the publisher summary suggests uh is mostly about this illness yeah in the future this hayden syndrome uh there is a plot uh with the murder mystery and such but the plot is kind of secondhand to the setting in this particular book well and that's what we liked most about this book was the setting, the scenario of the disease, and just the overarching concept that people with this with this disability um, are have more advantages than even able-bodied people. Right. Do you want to uh, do you want to describe kind of in your own words what the disability is? Yeah. So what's, what's hap- Hayden syndrome? Yeah. What's happening is. There's different phases of the disease, and then the final stage, if you don't die through all the phases, um, is what you get what's considered lock-in syndrome. So pretty much what they said is that your brain is no longer able to control any voluntary functions. Everything autonomic is still working. Um, You can still digest food if it's put into your belly. Your heart still beats. You're still breathing. But you can't blink. You can't even blink. You can't talk. You can't move. It's so, almost like a very severe quadriplegia. Well, you're completely paralyzed. So right. quadriplegia just damaging the spinal cord. This is your whole body. And and they talk about the structures of the brain are changed and all this. So you're pretty much you're trapped in your body. It reminded me of a scenario in the uh, the bell and the and the diving. Oh. Crap. There's another book about a man who has a stroke, um, and he's he's essentially locked in his body. Oh, okay. Um, the Bell and the Diving Mask or something like that. Um, so people may have heard of that. I'm going to look it up. May have heard of that. It's that similar situation where, he, although in, in this, the scenario with the gentleman with the stroke, um, he could he could blink or move his eyes or something, and, and that's how they started to communicate with him. Now, I have heard, actually, of people today having a similar kind of lock-in experience, and they can actually have them harvest 
their brainwaves uh, to to trigger some sort of response on the computer and allow them to communicate. Uh, apparently, that's that's a fairly new thing. Um, but in this book, uh, the technology is such that uh, they basically have these things called neural nets, which are. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. It's the it's the diving bell and the butterfly, and it's um. It's what it's about someone who had a stroke, um, and they suffer what's called locked-in syndrome. That's why I keep wanting to call this both locked-in instead of lock-in. Yeah. So there is a, it's called a locked-in syndrome. Locked-in syndrome. Yeah, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia article about it. There is. That's what I'm looking at. So <laughs> we can see where Scalzi got his... Um, inspiration. Inspiration. Perhaps. So anyway, you were talking about the neural networks. So yeah, they uh, they have these neural networks which kind of implant uh, a transmitter in the brain, or well, a transmitter and a receiver, um, that will transmit and receive brain waves and allow them to, um, in the end, it allows them to control robots um, that they can walk around in. It allows them to do like a virtual reality kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, a la like Ready Player One. Yes, that, um, that's what the algorithm reminded me of, yes. was Ready the world that they were in in Ready Player, Ready Player One. One. right. Or for the more anime of you, uh, the kind of dot hack. Okay. Yeah, you don't know what that is. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the idea of a uh, like an immersive world um, through virtual reality. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a pretty minor uh, point in this book, but uh, it, you know, it just kind of shows you what the neural networks are capable of. And the idea here is that the world has come together, and most specifically the United States, has gone out of their way because what happens is the president's wife um, ends up with lock-in syndrome. So he pretty much stops whatever they're doing. He doesn't care. And everything is directed towards research for lock-in. Um, and because of this funding, this government funding, everyone pools all of their resources together. Um, all knowledge, if you're getting federal funding, all knowledge is public knowledge. Everyone has the same information, so you're not reinventing the same wheel trying to figure right, out a solution. Right, right, right. And they're working on uh, cure vaccines right. and finding ways to help people get out. Um, and, and so that's that's where the neural networks came, networks came yeah, from, and then eventually yeah. that's where the threeps came from, which are their, their, their they call them threeps. Uh, it's short for three PO. Um, it, it's a it's a it's like a robot. Uh, if you've seen the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis. It's the same thing. It's okay. a robot that you know looks kind of like a guy that you can control from your yeah. So then that's how the people kid. end up being able to interact with the world. They can connect with this this robot, um, and they can walk around. They can right. work. They can go out with friends. You know, it's it's their it's their wheelchair. Right. And now what uh, kind of happens in the book and what people mention, uh, especially in that oral history, is that um, because of the federal funding because of the programs designed to help people with the syndrome, in combined with these robots that can do things, uh, certainly have more stamina and more ability than a, a regular person. Um, Perfect stamina. They, know, they never tire. They never tire, right, exactly. It's a robot. People, uh, people are, are concerned that uh, the, those with lock-in have an advantage. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, they're saying that there's so much help out there and so many advantages to someone who has lock-in syndrome that they're they're actually at a, 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 a huge advantage in society mm-hmm. as compared to a normal person. And this is where it got interesting for us um, because the research, the money funded for this disease um, 
anything have anything funded by the federal government for this disease, these threeps and all that, they're FDA approved just for people with Hayden syndrome. So what really got us talking was the idea of this type of technology for anybody. And they do mention people with Well, paralysis. and that's that's at the end where the, they yeah. want to repeal the funding restrictions so that they so can that anyone, use it anyone. Yeah, so that anyone can use this device. Because they, they talked about how, you know, the elderly, some of the elderly, you know, are stuck in a nursing home um, and can't get out. Um, and that they could use these devices, um, but but it's but they're not approved for anyone else besides someone with Hayden's. Right, which is why there's those people are suggesting that the people with Hayden's are have have an advantage. Yes, and that kind of harks back to, do you remember when Oscar Pistorius was running in the Olympics? He's got two prosthetic legs. Right, right. Because everyone, a lot of people were complaining, you know, oh and well, he has, this he has an advantage because he's got these carbon fiber legs. Right, even though. I mean, he had to work his ass off. Yeah. To because he was a bilateral amputee. Right. Well, not an amputee. He was born congenital. Oh, that's right. So yeah. he had the, he had the he had both, and it actually takes a lot more energy to walk, let alone run. Right. With, uh, two prosthetics. Now he did have the carbon fiber, which has a recoil, and that's why they're useful for running, because um, they give you that you push down, they push back. Right. Um, but it's just it's it's, it's kind of along those right. It's just interesting lines. to me that that people can suggest well and do suggest that some people have an advantage, even though the reason that they're getting aid and help and prostheses and stuff is because they're at an inherent disadvantage. Yeah, you know, um, you hear some of the same arguments about affirmative action. Yes, um, but which we and again, which we experience like. Yeah, I mean, if there's, and this is something that I, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, if there's three jobs and three people going for them, I'm in a wheelchair, I might not be able to do two of those jobs. And that's what you found when you were applying for jobs. Exactly. Like, you would apply for a job, great, can you come in for an interview? Sure. Are oh. there steps? Yes. Yeah. Up, oh, done. That's it. And that's the you, end of the interview. That's the end. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, so, but people will say, oh, well, you've got an advantage with your affirmative action, but I'm already working at a disadvantage. And not just me, but, uh, you know, all of the, all of the people, uh, to whom affirmative action is helpful. Right, right. Um, now, you talked about the independence, uh, aspect of what the threeps are allowing these people to lock in to do. Because without any kind of robot, basically, they're kind of helpless. Yes. Um, but the threes grant them independence. Yeah. Uh, and inside the book, he joins, um, the main character joins a, an intentional community. Yes. Is what he called it. Um, where several people with lock-in use their threes to help take care of each other. Yeah. So in this situation in the book, um, these people are all living in this house together. And the idea also is that if you have Hayden's, you just need somewhere to store your body and store your threep and a caregiver. So you don't need a whole lot of space. Right. Um, so a lot of the apartments, they talked about the efficiency apartments that look like closets and yeah, how depressing they were. It's and, enough for a body and a charging yeah. station and that's it. Yeah. But the, the idea here, the main character found this place to live with these other people with Hayden's and they store their bodies there but also have their threeps there so when they're running around in their threeps they're checking in on each right, other. To right, sure and actually the main character doesn't keep his body She didn't, at, it did at first. Right. Um, um, 
instead uh, kept it at the the, the at, parents', at parents house, right? Yeah, and so. then um, was just storing storing his threat there. Yeah. Now here's a question for you as a physical therapist: Why is it acceptable from a PT standpoint? For someone with a lock-in to not take care of themselves if they are perfectly capable with their three. Actually, I was just thinking about that, and I hadn't... It didn't occur to me at the time when I read it, but yeah. um, Because at the end of the book... At the end of this book, of the actual story with the murder and the the person being in the FBI for the first time, that whole storyline, when that's done at the end of the book, they do like an oral history of of lock-in. And the one part is where the two people with Hayden's um, in their threeps end up having a child. Yes. Um, and that she talked about holding her baby to her breast. Right. To a nurse. And I, it didn't occur to me at the time, but when you mentioned that, I was like, yeah, why can't you... He kind of made it seem like you needed their caregivers there to monitor the bodies. Right. and, and it, But that seems odd to me because... It does. I don't think someone would need to be there 24-7... If, if things are going in and out just fine. Right. And, but. I mean, having been in rehab, the thing that you're taught to do as much as possible is to be independent. Take care of yourself as much as you can. And yet, and, and, and maybe this is just because Scalzi has never been in that situation. I would expect that that would be the same for people with lock-in. Like, hey, here's a device which lets you live a normal life. Clean out your own bag of shit. Yeah. Yeah, because they're... They talk about, like, there's tubes of food going in and tubes of everything coming out. Like, right. Why do you need a, a, a an actual caregiver when you can just, you know, take a couple hours in the morning? Well, or... and maybe those... May, well, and the char- the main character in this book is very wealthy. Very wealthy. So maybe the wealthy people do have these caregivers and that well, other and... people do, have someone sitting at their bedside 24-7 ready to put some lidocaine in their mouth because they have a toothache. Like Right, 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 right. I don't well, know. Well, and I guess in the main character's intentional community, um, there wasn't any caregivers. They were taking care of each other. Yeah. And there was a, a doctor lived there. Yeah. So they had they some, some medical, yeah. They really so, had, had a sweet deal there. They're in an intentional nice. community with a doctor, with an IT guy, and with an FBI agent. I don't know what the twins did. Yeah, they, you know you know what's funny? I wonder if Scalzi dropped... Because he introduces the twins, and, there was and he's like, weird. "What's going on with the twins?" And the, the and Tony said, "I'll tell you about it later." No, it was that the twins were they shared the one three. Okay, that's what I thought, and it was weird. Yeah, but they, they never, never went, went back it. to that. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if that was just an, an oversight or if that was intentional. But yeah, I, I never figured yeah. out what the story was with the twins. Okay, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Now we listened to this book. Yes, we did. Um. Are we there yet? I think we need to address it. Okay. We listened to this book, and actually, um, there are two versions of this book, which I think Matthew mentioned last time. Um, One version read by Will Wheaton, um, who is one of my favorite readers. I think one of your favorite readers. Will Wheaton's pretty good. Um, And uh, that was the version that we had read the first time. Correct. Um, And we decided to reread the book re-listened to the book for this podcast, and we realized something. Uh, well, what I realized during the first one, while I was doing a little bit of research, was that John Scalzi never gives the main character a gender. And he uses a purposefully 
um, androgynous name. Uh, Chris. Chris Shane is the name of the main character. Uh, and in order to drive home this point, he worked with Audible to get two narrators. So Will Wheaton is the male narrator. Amber Benson, Benson is the female narrator. And that's who we listened to this time. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but because I knew that, I made a conscious effort while listening to Amber read to assign the main character a female gender. I didn't have to put too much effort into that with no, hearing you got the it? female voice. Okay. Yeah. It took me a little bit, but then I kind of got it towards the end. I Yeah, it was easy in that sense. Um, the other piece that you don't, well, that I didn't catch until later in the book was that the character is also black. The main character. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So I didn't have trouble making her her. I had trouble making her black. Again? Yes. Even though the second time through? Even though the second time through, I found out in the end that the character is black. So Did you seriously forget again? I didn't forget. Oh, okay. I just... I, just I, I know exactly the point time. at which I realized he was black. When? Uh, when he was like, um... Yeah, they're going to really feel bad about a big black guy with a shotgun killing... Right, that's not yeah. you realizing the character... Yeah, no, no, that's no, I know. I, like, that's, that's the when point. I realized like, it, I didn't, too. I yeah. didn't catch it until... Because you were like, really? The dad played basketball and he's like six foot eight? Like, really? <laughs> so, um, so I didn't have a hard time with that. And what I found... <laughs> and this is me I, I, enjoying a romance. There was no romance in this book. But I put it there in my head. So Between Chris and... When I read the book the first time with Chris being male, I pretended... I didn't pretend. I just... I don't know. I look into things. That there was going to be a romance between him and Van. Right. And then, of course, this time reading it with the fe- Chris being female between her and Tony. That's funny because I was listening to it because this main character is never given a gender. But the main character does say that he or she... Had a girlfriend in the past. Yes. The one that she showed the liminal space to, and it's like the bad cave. But she didn't, it, they said they were in a relationship. He said that they were going out and then it ended quickly after yeah, that. Yeah, but didn't say the gender of the person. No, he said it was a girl. I'm pretty sure it did. I, I thought that they didn't. Well, that was the other thing that was kind of nice about this book, kind of in the, in the time that we're in where the whole gay movement is just in the foreground and trying to get it to be something that's normal. Oh, um, those they, two... They talk about, like, the one CEO of the company... And his husband. And his right. husband. Yeah. And it was something that at first I was like, wait, he said his husband. Oh, wait, no, that's okay. You know, like, just getting used to that being right. a normal thing. And in the book, it's just... It's not even his husband, and then they moved on. There was no, like... Right. There was... It was not, it was it not a big dwe- deal. It wasn't it was dwelled not, upon. It wasn't dwelled upon at all. And even... Talking about Trin, the police officer, and Van, the FBI agent, like, you know, like, did you guys fuck? You know, and it wasn't like she said no because I'm not gay. It's like no because I'm not interested in her. So she's not my type. Yeah, there was a very like there was a very strong there was an absence of the whole gay is bad. You know, right? Which was nice because it was like this is the future. That would be a nice future where being gay is not anything. You it's, know, not, it's not, not a it's, plot it's point. It's just part it's of the norm. There. Yeah, it's not a plot point at all. Right. And I think, um, you know, back to the ambiguity of the gender of the main character and the race of the main character for us, um, I, I think that that kind of was Scalzi's point because the main character was a threep 
I mean, the main character was in a robot the entire time, or well, yeah. on several robots. Um, but Scalzi's making kind of an interesting point about the a way to transcend those gender those kind roles, of well, not even roles. gender roles, but just those gender those roles. social yeah. uh, assignments. And actually, he talked about how. Hayden's, you know, people with Hayden's became a community, even though it affected everyone equally. Yes. So poor, rich, black, white, redneck, Republican, bleeding heart liberal, they were all a community, and they all had something in common. Right, and I think that they ended up bonding that way, like to to the point where they one part they described. They compared it to the blind community, where deaf um, deaf community. I'm sorry, with the deaf community, where. Almost like there are some schools of thought in the deaf community where they want to isolate themselves. Everything should be about the deaf, you know, even to the point where you shouldn't even bother being in... Well, uh, they, they suggest, you know, uh, shunning cochlear implants and yeah. uh, things that would, you know, allow you to hear. And they talk about this in the oral history where um, when the two Lockins have, when the two Haydens people have... A baby, yeah. they got hate mail from other Haydens right. saying, "Well, your baby doesn't have Haydens, so therefore you're not supporting our cause." The Hayden cause, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Which is it's an interesting. It was interesting. So I guess in that way, it, it instead of it becoming about your race, your gender, your sexual orientation, it becomes about whether you have Haydens or not. Right. Those are the two roles. Right. And well, those, yeah. that's where the discrimination is. It's between Haydens and non-Haydens. Right. Um, Which is it's so they called they called the Haydens the nice term was threep, the derogatory term was clank clank, <laughs> and then for humans they called them Dodger dogs just Dodgers or yeah, do- Dodgers. no they called them Dodgers or um, my meat friends I think the one guy called yeah, them my, my meat, meat pals or something yeah so it, just creating this this whole new discriminatory battle you know right. Right, and and it was interesting too uh, with the discrimination. I mean, it was it was, society had, and they talked about this in the oral history, and you saw this through the plot of the main book, the main story. Society had adapted to Hayden's only as much as it really needed to. For example, when uh, Shane had to go to California, they didn't have a threep available for him. So they gave him that shitty one that legs didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it like, it, it just reminded me that even the FBI doesn't have quite what he needs to get around. Right. And I mean, this is, this is stuff I deal with every day. Yeah. You know, places that you expect to be fine. Uh, well, the, you know, the spirit store keeps all of their wine in the middle of the aisles. I can't, I, I, I can't buy wine. The right. end. So it's just interesting that even, even in this, in this quote unquote far flung future, with with this horrible disease that everyone's gotten used to, there's still obstacles. Yeah. In, in everyday life for these people. Right. And it's it's something that you don't understand unless you live it. Right. Right. And she says, you know, you can use the wheelchair and he says, A threep in a wheelchair, you're you're kidding me, right? Yeah. Um which I don't know, that statement I was kinda like, Man, fuck you, <laughs> Scalzi. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's really it. Really helped to to paint that situation that it's hard for us to explain. Right, right, and actually, he does a pretty good job showing that yeah. situation. Yeah, several times with Chris. Yeah. Now the the actual story itself um, that we kind of pointed well, we said it's not important, but I I, I 
guess we don't mean it that way because I think it was a good story. No, the story was good. It was the story itself, though. It's 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 a kind of standard murder mystery slash corporate scandal. Yeah. Uh, you know, a capitalist guy wants to make a lot of money, so he's bumping people off that he sees yeah. as in his way. And but what what so this this takes us into the whole integrator uh, part of the story. Oh yeah, the integrators. So Those are... creepy. Freaky, I think. I don't know. Spooky. I thought, I thought it was kind of, yeah, spooky. It, it's really neat. So, um, we talked about there were different phases of the Hayden's disease, which they actually uh, called it, like, the great flu in the beginning. So, get your flu shots, everybody. It's flu season. Um, <laughs> that was subtle. <laughs> there's my plug. Yeah, my nice. Nicely plug. done. Um, I think we had a meta of flu plug last time, too, because you punched me in the flu shot. I did. Anyway, so... And the last stage is people end up with lock-in syndrome, but there's a stage in the disease earlier where you get the flu-like symptoms, you get the meningitis later, and then you're fine. You get better. And you get better, and right. you're fine. And some people, you know, die. Some people get have um, cognitive issues, significant brain damage. But then there are people who are perfectly fine, and they found that they still had changes in their brain structure. So pretty much what they ended up doing is putting the neural networks in these brains and found that um, a Hayden's locked-in lock in patient uh, with a neural network can... Take over take the over. brain? I mean, integrate right. is the word they use. Integrate into the brain of an able-bodied person who had the Haydens, but didn't get right. um, lock-in, and then they can take over that person's right. body. And, Basically, and they walk can walk around. around and be that person for, and not uh, physically, not mentally. Yes. And they can have so, a day yeah, in a body. Yeah, they talk about, like, um, the integrator is present while the Hayden is the person with lock-in. They said the people with lock-in had Haydens, but the integrators did not. They called the people with lock-in Haydens. Right, Hayden syndrome was lock-in. Yeah. The flu, they called Hayden's flu, yeah. but wasn't, but Hayden's the syndrome so itself was the locket. So the integrators can can kind of help guide the the person with lock-in as they're moving around and, and keep them from doing stupid stuff. So, of right, course, right, right. there are issue, is situations where the, the FBI, uh, Chris Shane's FBI um, partner is an integrator, was an integrator, and uh, her last integrator session... The Hayden tried to kill her because she wanted to know what it was like to die. So that kind of situation happened. It's spooky. Yeah, yeah no, spooky. that's a good word for it. Although in the oral history, the guy talked about, like, the, the first thing everyone wants to do, they want to go eat something. Um, they want to eat, was it, bacon cheeseburgers. But they want to eat and they want to have sex. Yes. So, well, you get the opinion from that guy that the sex was not totally kosher. Right. But I guess, I mean, the integrator could have told, stopped him. So I guess the integrator, to some degree, was like, okay, here we go. We're having sex. But how weird. Like, I mean, it's weird enough to have someone in your brain making you walk around, but then to be having sex with someone. Right. You know what, actually? someone's in your brain. Like, right. like I don't know. It was like, that. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's weird. But, yeah. You know, have you ever watched Stargate Universe? No. Stargate Universe had these things that you could basically two minds would swap for a little bit, so that you could. They long story short, there were people way out in the in the middle of nowhere in another galaxy, but these stones could instantly let them transfer back to someone on Earth, right? Uh, but anyways, in in 
it's kind of a similar concept where you're now in someone else's body and you're doing what you're going to do. But they actually had one episode where they transferred someone into a quad. Into a quadriplegic. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hey. It was, it was actually, it was kind of neat. Because okay. it talked about, like, you know, she was having difficulties and didn't understand why. Because, like, she, for example, she had trouble eating. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't know that your nervous system isn't letting your throat work properly. You can't eat and talk at the same time like a normal person could. Right. You will choke. So it was a whole, it was just an interesting like observation, but it reminded me, but the integrator discussion reminded me of that. Right. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the uh, part of the storyline uses the integrators, not part, a big piece, uses the integrators. Right. Like that's yeah. how the, the bad guy does bad stuff is he takes advantage of Takes controls of, of integrators. Of, t- yeah. T- t- yeah. So. Yeah. The story itself was, uh, it was, I will, I will go ahead and just flat out say it was a fairly cliched science fiction plot. Oh, okay. Um, it's something I've read before. Okay. It's not groundbreaking. I don't think that was the point, the point. of this book. I don't either. The point I, of I this book it, was I, the setting. I think it could have been a romance. It could have been a... It could have been anything. It, it was a murder mystery, but right, it could right, have right. been um, a drama. It could have been a thrill. Like, it could have been anything. Right, right. And a I mean... comedy. <laughs> Scalzi writes in a fairly pulpy fashion. Uh, his style is pretty pulpy. Your Pulp Fiction? Yeah, and I'm still trying to learn this term. Term? Oh, yeah. Well, don't worry. We will... It will come up a lot. Um, but Scalzi writes in a kind of pulpy fashion. It's a lot of dialogue, a lot of quick action, but underlying all of that are some very important themes yeah. in almost all of his books. Yeah. And in this one, it's about, you know, it's about discrimination, it's about uh, adapting to disability... It's about society adapting to disability. It's, it's a very interesting uh, setting, uh, and definitely, definitely the 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 take home I got from the book was the setting more so than yeah. the actual. Plot. And that was the real. It really, it really hit us close to the heart. Right. With the whole, you know, being in a world where you're at an advantage with a disability um, in everyone else's eye, like a true advantage. That I would mean, be awesome. I'd you know, be okay with that. To be to have the funding where you can easily be a more productive member of society. That right. would be great. Right, 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 um right. and just the idea of the world perceiving people with people with this specific disability as taking advantage of the system and taking over, you know. Right. Right. And that was the other piece that they talked about, like the whole robot evolution, revolution, um, that it was a peaceful robot revolution, and that's not what anyone had ever expected. Right, right, right. And they talked about how, like, at first it was really crazy, but then after a while, it's like, oh, wow, there's another three, no big deal. Yeah. And then it was just annoying. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I liked the book. I liked it a lot, actually. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the book as well. Um, and this was... I liked it. it really, it really, it you're, gave me things to think about. Right. And I think we mentioned this in our Martian episode. You're not a big science fiction person. At least you I'm weren't. Not. No, I wasn't. Um, so it really, I think it says something about the book and its setting and its story and its, and its commentary that you really liked it, even I, though you're not as into science fiction. Well, and I guess I just haven't read a lot of it. Science fiction. Yeah. Okay. And I'm starting to read more and more. Right. Right. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to guide you to books I think you'll like. I, I had a I had a miss, a pretty big miss. A pretty big miss. With the Paul Anderson book. Yeah. But so far everything else you've read that I've suggested you've liked. You suggested a boat of a million years, and if you like this book, you apparently 
I don't know. That was the most boring book I've ever read in my life. It was forever to get through. See, I don't, I don't know. I liked it. I thought, uh, it, was, I thought it was interesting. It was awful. It was everything I could do to get through that book. If I hadn't been listening to it, I would not have finished it. Um, but yes, I'm definitely liking the science fiction more. Boy. But, um, and I'm glad you brought that up because we never really officially said this, but we're kind of doing more science fiction fantasy books for this book club. Yeah, and I I would consider James Bond, which we did last week, uh, a science fiction. To be honest, uh, with the gadgetry and the and the all the other crap. I mean, that was a little, there. and and it's not going to be exclusive. Um, but that's those are the things that we like to read. That's and... exactly. I don't I I don't find I don't find nonfiction interesting. To yeah. be honest, I yeah. mean. It's all right. I'll read it every once in a while. And, uh, I've, and I've tried multiple historical fictions, and I just cannot get into those. Unless books. they're Jane Austen. And, anyway, so we, um, we've we done quite a bit of science fiction-y type stuff here. So um, fantasy will come up. Uh, in a couple in, of weeks. Next week we're doing well. another science fiction one. Um, next- so yeah, then let's... Okay, I mean, let's, are we, are yeah, we I think here? we're I think we're gonna wrap up here. So next week, uh you'll you will not be with us. Correct. It will be uh, myself and my special guest, uh my father, talking about Neuromancer by and, William Gibson. And that's gonna be a treat. Uh, it's hopefully we can keep it under forty five minutes because that's gonna that's gonna we like to go on. <laughs> uh we only talk about Neuromancer, William Gibson. Uh, Audible has a copy. Amazon has a copy. I think you can get on a Kindle for like ten bucks. It's a it's a it's an older book in the mid eighties. It's gonna be the Matthew and, and Sean show. The Matthew and Sean show, <laughs> or the Sean and Matthew show. I think that flows better. Um. <laughs> uh. So, but the week after that, you will be with me, and we'll be probably doing a more fantasy oriented one. We're gonna decide in the next couple of days. And we, I mean. We don't have a big fan base yet. Well, we definitely don't have Shameless Shoelace's friend. His friend. His friend. Yeah, we don't. So. But, I mean, my other thought, too, is maybe eventually people will suggest books to us. Absolutely. Because we've been kind of having a hard time. We'll sit and we'll say, okay, what are we going to read next? And we're both drawing a blank. Like, I have no idea. Absolutely. And, I mean, to that note, you know, hey, drop us a line. Uh, we'd love it if you'd give us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can find us just by searching Legendary Pants. Uh, we'd love it if you'd send us an email, bookclub at legendarypants.net. Uh, come check out the website, legendarypants.net. We're on Facebook, Legendary Pants. Really, if you just type Legendary Pants into some sort of search bar, you'll probably find us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, let us know if you got suggestions for books. If you got suggestions for beer, we are we are all, all over them. Um, and I think that'll about do us. I think that was pretty good. Alrighty, have fun. <laughs>